0: morning. I'm so glad to be here with you. We're wrapping up this series Where's the Love and this has been a really challenging series, but as with anything that's challenging, it's it's good for us. I think I think those things that are good for us often kind of create discomfort and and I'm okay with that. And so we we're going to continue to be a little bit uncomfortable today. So strap into your seats because this is going to be a fun ride. <laughs> I'm just kidding though. No, if you if you haven't listened to all of the actually I'm not kidding. This really is going to be a uh, a little uncomfortable, so deal with it. If you have not heard all of the messages from this series, I really want to encourage you to go back through and listen to them. We've talked about what it's like to be a follower of Christ in the midst of a culture of outrage, what it's like to, to really honor God in your marriage and, 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 and how difficult that can be. Uh, last week we had a great message about, um, like sharing Christ with people who were very different than us. And, and today we're going to talk about something that, it, yeah, it, you're going to be, it's going to be, Tough, and and uh, and so that's okay. But so what I want to do is um, open up with a word of prayer, just to prepare our hearts and our minds as as we listen to the word that God has for us. So if you'll bow your heads with me, Heavenly Father, we we come to you now. Um, we're thankful for these moments that we can come into your house, before your throne, and hear the teaching that you have for us, Lord. We're we're we want to be thankful for the discomfort that comes in these moments. Uh, as challenging as it is, we invite that discomfort. So, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would work in our hearts today. Let us be receptive to your word and to your message. Let us, let us hear uh, your words for us and, and, and allow them to transform us from the inside out. Be with us this morning. I pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so this life of faith that we're on, uh, ultimately, it consists of there's there's kind of this barrier line. If if you're a follower of Christ, if you've chosen to surrender your life to him, then in some way you're on the inside of this Christian circle. And and so there's like this inside out. Right. Uh, There's there's this there's this place where where you are a part of the in crowd. And and um, anyone who who hasn't done that, they're they're on the outside. And there's, there's this, this great thing that happens in heaven. And this is, this is spoken of in Luke chapter 15, where when a sinner repents, heaven celebrates that, that repentance and that, that person coming to follow God. And, and, and there's this, this beautiful thing. And as followers of Jesus, I think it's important for us to share this same heart. Whenever someone who is outside of the family of God chooses to repent for their sins and come to Christ, we should have that same heart of celebration. And I, I love what we did last week. If you were here last week for the baptisms and for the child dedications, that's that moment when, when we're really celebrating. I was talking to someone at the end of the service last week, and they were talking about how those services always make them cry, and, and not like those, like just a little stream of a tear, but like, you know, the ugly crying that people do. And I love that because it's it just shows the heart of a person who is celebrating with with all of the angels in heaven for those people who have said, I publicly declare that my life is Jesus Christ, that, that movement um, from outside to in. And, but there's a part of this, though, that I wonder how often as followers of Jesus, we might be blind to how we can sometimes keep people out of the family of God. So today we're going to talk about reconciliation. This is not an easy message to preach. This is not an easy message to hear. This is not an easy message to live out. But I think it's very important for us to understand what it means for us as followers of Jesus to demonstrate the love that he has given to us with people who are very different from us, okay? And and, and I want to start off this morning by normalizing something, something that that we have to, to begin with. It's kind of this, uh, we're all equals in this space, and that is that we all have some kind of prejudice in our life. Is anyone uncomfortable? When you hear that, does that bother you a little bit to hear that you are a prejudiced person? I am a prejudiced person. We have bias. We have barriers that we put up and and look at other people who are not a part of the same group that, that we're in. This is a really important thing for us to think about because uh, it's, it's important for us to understand that when we have prejudice, we are ultimately following more of a pattern of the world and a pattern of the enemy rather than following the way of God. The way of Christ. Uh, the, the enemy, Satan wants to keep us divided as much as he can, because when we are divided, that means that his love and grace and salvation doesn't go out and flow from us. And, and so uh, I love uh, the, the sermon that Julie preached last week. If you haven't heard it or if you weren't here, she preached out of one of my favorite texts. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But it's John chapter four and and, and we're, this story of Jesus going out of his way to break down barrier after barrier in order to extend to another person, a woman of another race, this grace, love, and salvation so that she can be a part of the family of God. And as followers of Jesus, this is our job as well. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but uh, I'm, I'm not always aware of my prejudices or my biases because they're not always this, you know, they're not always as glaring as racism or sexism. Barriers don't always uh, exist because of some obvious external thing that is different about each individual. Um, our bias sometimes comes from strange places. For instance, um, I have a bias I'm going to share with you this morning, and uh, it's a bias against left-handed people. Okay? I'm serious about this. I, I, I genuinely have a bias against left-handed people. And the weird thing is that my wife is actually left-handed. And I, I swear this is the only flaw I actually see in her is the fact that she writes with her left hand. <laughs> I, here's a couple, of, a couple of truths about left-handedness. Uh, the Latin word sinister actually translates left hand. That's it's true. It's true. Sinister. That's what it means. The the sinister side of you is your left side. Left-handed people are more prone to allergies and to migraine headaches. Uh, Anybody? No, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Left-handed people on average live nine years less than right-handed people. Every time I I write a sermon and and get up to preach, I let my wife read it beforehand. And as she was reading this, she's like, I'm going to live longer than you. Just wait. That... Ma- but my point is, my bias as a right-hander is substantiated. There's proof that shows that right-handers are better than left-handers. And, and, um, and I, know, I know precisely why I have this bias. And I'm going to get to it in a minute. But I, I want to point out something. Some of you may know my family. You, you've probably seen my kids around. You may have noticed, too, that my youngest daughter has a broken right arm right now. And I think there's a part of that happen, Like The reason that happened is because Alexis really wants to have a left-handed child I, I have been praying, I have been praying for as long as I've had kids that they would all end up right-handed. But now, my youngest daughter, she's not even three yet, and she does everything with her left hand. She eats with it, she writes with it, she like, you know, pulls her hair back with it. It's strange. I'm Okay, by the way, I don't really think my wife broke my daughter's arm. So that, so that she would have a left-handed, do not call the CPS on my wife, is all I'm saying, okay? No, no. But, but here's the thing, I, 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 here's why I have this bias, and, and, and left-handers, you will understand this. Virtually everything that we have in the United States is designed for right-handed people. Okay. Left handers, you know this, right? Every desk or almost every desk that you sat in at school was for a right hander. Uh, every notebook that you wrote in with a spiral was designed for a right hander. All of our scissors, all of our knives, all of our sports equipment, all of it's designed for right handers. Machinery is designed for right handers, you know? And, and, um, and so what ultimately happens is if you are a left hander, you are at a disadvantage, and you have to make adjustments in your life in order to do the normal things that right-handers do. That's just a reality, right? By the way, how many of you are left-handed? I want to see how many people. uh, Statistically, it's about 10% of the congregation. Okay, um, that almost bears out in here. Um, Yeah, so right-handers, though, like me, right-handers like me, we, you know, we grow up in a world thinking that this is the way it's supposed to be done, and then we look at left handers and we think, no, you're doing it wrong. You know, and, and, and ultimately, though, like get, get outside of right hand. We're all broken down into some kind of group. We're always broken into some kind of groups. For instance, if, if you're a, a woman in this room, I want you to, to say hi real fast. I want to hear you. Okay, that's a big group. Now, how about this? Women, if you are married, say hello. It's a smaller group, right? Um, but they're groups nonetheless. We've broken into those groups, and, and so if you're if you're a single lady, I want you to say, "Hey," I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so inappropriate. I don't know. Um, no, but we, we break we break down into groups like we do. We break into groups like if you're single, if you're in a relationship but not quite married yet. Maybe maybe it's a group of like you have a job or you don't have a job or you own a house or you rent a house or maybe, maybe it's the grouping of you live in four three zero eight one or four three zero eight two or four oh three five four three zero five four. I don't live there. I don't know where that is. Um, some of you are like, yeah I live there. Huh? 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 Uh, <laughs> We break ourselves into groups. And here's what happens whenever we do is that we create this like we, we start to exhibit the patterns of that group, and then we externalize people who are not in that group, and, and we, we, we keep them out. And, and it, whether it's intentional or not, it's, it's a part of what happens. It's, it's natural to us to, to break up into these groups, group, group, group everywhere. But here's the thing, and this is why this is really important for us to talk about this morning. Is that when we think about the kingdom of God These groups really mean nothing Revelation 7 verses 9 and 10 read this way After this I looked and behold A great multitude that no one could number From every nation From all tribes and peoples and languages Standing before the throne and before the Lamb Clothed in white robes With palm branches in their hands Crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, this is the only group that really matters. This is the group that belongs to God. Our ultimate destination as Christians is to be in a place with people who look very different than us, who sound very different than us, who come from different places than us, who are very different than us, but similar in one regard. We are all children of god so here and now for us we have to be willing to do the uncomfortable thing of choosing to drop our barriers that make us different from one another we have to choose to seek the will of god here on this earth and this means that that though we're different from one another we choose to be together united yet distinct in so many ways I'm assuming that as followers of Jesus, we want to do the same things that he was doing when he walked this earth. And so that's something that we have to do. And now th- this, this idea of, of living a life that, that while we're distinct from one another, we are still united, is something that people, Christ followers, for, for millennia have dealt with. For 2,000 years, this, was an, this has been an issue. And, um, and we're going to read about this in, uh, from the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 2, reading from verses 11 through uh, 22. And, and um, I, as always, I encourage you to bring your Bibles and, and take notes in the margins and underline stuff that's really important to you. I think that's significant. But if you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. The words are going to be here on the screen uh, for you to read along with. So we're going to read this. Follow along with me. Ephesians two eleven through 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, By what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ uses himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Paul wrote this letter more as a sermon a teaching point to to train up the disciples that are in ephesus to to help grow them and mature them as believers often when paul would write a letter to a church it was to address a specific issue something that was going on a matter that was happening but here in the the letter to the ephesians this is really just a general teaching a training and 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 a discipling and and so you know But here in this moment, in chapter 2, in this moment of the sermon, what we have is the full purpose of what Paul ultimately wants to teach the Ephesians, and that is about reconciliation. Specifically, he wants to address reconciliation of first the Gentiles to Christ, but then also he wants to illustrate and and just help them to understand that so too uh, the Gentiles and the Jewish Christians need to be reconciled to one another. So this is not only an explanation and a reminder of how God and man became united, but also a clarification of, of when, that when God united man, he also united the entire body of Christ together. Even though these were two different groups, broken down by culture, broken down by an ethnicity, broken down by physicality, uh, through Christ, though, they are united. They're still unique, but they're united. And so Paul reminds the Gentiles that there there was once a time when they were discriminated against because they didn't bear the markings of the covenant that the Israelites had with God. Now, I think this is really interesting because essentially what, what Paul is saying is there was a time when you were discriminated against, even though you were Christians, you were discriminated against, but you seem to have forgotten how that felt. You seem to have forgotten what it was like to be on the outside of that, and so he's, he's, he's saying this again. Let me read this again. Verse eleven, Ephesians two says, "Therefore remember." I want to remind you that at one time you were on the outside, you were alienated. Remember how that felt. You didn't like it, and 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 he's it's, it's almost like saying, "So so what do you think?" That means to the people that you might be alienating now. Essentially, Paul is saying this is a blind spot for the Ephesians, that they've forgotten what it felt like to be alienated. And now, because they've forgotten it, they're starting to alienate others. What, what what's happening for us in this and this is really important is that because Jesus came as a barrier breaking and peace making uh, savior, he wants us to live in that same way. And and when I look around our church I love our church so much. I, I see so many wonderful things that are happening all over the place. And I, I do have the privilege of seeing a lot of uh, moments that are happening here in our church because I, I'm involved in, in a lot of the different areas. And, and I love it when I see families coming together to worship and, and to play with one another and, and to have fun. I, I, see, I see groups come together for, for discipleship and, and growth spiritually. I see people coming together just to hang out with each other and enjoy relationships. Like all of this stuff is really wonderful, and I'm gonna be—I'm gonna be honest. We do relationships well here at Quest. I am proud of how we live together in community. I, I think it's wonderful. I, I think, I, I honestly, I think we're an awesome church. But I wonder—you know—we're so good at living with one another really well. Is there a possibility? that we are unintentionally or possibly intentionally not inviting new people into this awesome thing that we have going on because we don't want to change it. We like the comfort of what we're experiencing and we don't want to disrupt that. And so we're afraid of of inviting someone in who maybe isn't like us or doesn't understand what we're doing. And, And so we, in a way, prohibit them from experiencing this great Thing that we've got going on here so I want to I want to take a moment and and and, and this, is, this is something that uh, the, the reason I'm excited to preach this message is because I, I think it's important for us to hear this. If you are um, a regular attender of Quest, if you consider Quest your church home, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a challenge to us today. Now I understand not everybody in this room is uh, a person who calls Quest your church home, but I want you to hear this. I, it's okay if you're just checking it out. I want you to hear this because if you're considering it and if you are ultimately going to make Quest your church home, then this is something that you've got to be on board for. You got to be with us in, but as, as a church, we need to be people who are willing to intentionally leverage our relationships that are outside of this place. We have to be people who are willing to break down barriers with the people in our lives so that we can invite them into this good thing that's going on here, not just relationship, but ultimately so they can understand what it means to be loved and saved by Jesus Christ. Church can, are you, are you with me in that? Yeah, that's that's what we are called to do in this community is to be a beacon of hope. And the only way that we're going to be a beacon of hope to the people outside of us is if we go out to them and say, even though you're different than me, even though you think differently than me, even though you believe different things than me, I want you to know what's going on here because it is good. It is life-saving. It is life-transforming. And you need it. So come on in. Come on in and see what Jesus is doing here. I love I love how how Paul says this uh, in verses 17 through 19. Uh, uh, Follow along with me. And Jesus came and he preached peace to you who were far off, those who were outside, and peace to those who were near. That's that's those of us who are inside. Um, For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers, you are no longer aliens, but you are fellow citizens with with the saints and the members of the household of God. This is our charge as a church. This is what we are placed here to do. But what this ultimately means is that we've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. See, there's, there's no specific issue that, that Paul is addressing with the, with the letter of Ephesians. And, and so what that means is we have the freedom here with this text to to not only read what he's saying to the, to the Gentiles and to the Jewish Christians. We can also then expand it to the full theology that's preached within the Bible. And then we can expand it to our worlds. And we can start to say, you know, what other barriers are there besides one of culture that Jesus came to destroy? Because ultimately that's really what this says is that Jesus destroyed the barrier of 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 cultural you know ethnicity for between these people and he's also come to destroy all of the other barriers that exist in acts uh chapter 10 and romans 2 it says that god shows no partiality no favoritism to anyone says that we are all the bible says we are all created in the image of god and in matthew 5 jesus is saying we need to love our enemies Therefore, every barrier that might exist in our lives that we put up, any bias that we put up, we have to destroy because it's not Christ-like. We have to be people who are willing to say, I- I'm going to get rid of, of those things that, that create some kind of bias in my life. And I know that that is a hard thing to do. Blind spots by nature are not visible. They're hard to see, and so it's difficult for us to find those. And and um, and and I there's something that I, I found an activity this week as I was thinking about how do we actually find the blind spots in our lives? How do we find those? Biases that exist and and so if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to to take note of this This is something that you can do uh, As an activity either later today or sometime this week Uh, And and the way it works is if you if you just think through uh, Let's say 10 people that you trust the most in your life non-family members Non-family members 10 people that you are close to that you trust Write write their names down on a piece of paper And then after you've written them down Go back and think about the things that describe those people. What are their descriptors? How, how old are they? What 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 gender are they? Are are they um, what what race are they? What I think that you might discover, what I discovered, is that my list of people, ten people that I trust the most, isn't an incredibly diverse list. It's People that are pretty much like me, that think like me, that live like me. And the question that I want us to start asking ourselves is, why are we not searching for more diversity in our lives? Why are we not intentionally thinking about ways that we can expand our, our, our influence into worlds that are a little bit more diverse for us? I, this is, this is a, it's a difficult experiment to, to try, but I think it's important for us to start thinking like this because it opens our eyes to those potential biases that we have. It opens our eyes to the relationships that we have because it is critical for us as followers of Jesus to say the best way for us to make an impact in the community is to be in relationship with people who are not just like me. Because if every person that you're relating to, if everyone that's in your life that you have influence with who is just like you, then we're not expanding the kingdom of God. We're only in relationship with other Christians. Isn't that right? So let's find ways to establish and build relationships with people who are very different than us. Every person that we meet, no matter how different they are from us, is someone who potentially could be in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where they are, they potentially could be in Jesus Christ, and you might be the one who gets to introduce them to it, but you have to have a relationship with them. So the question that, that every serious follower of Christ has to ask themselves is, how can I serve God's purpose in this world? Right now, How can I see God's kingdom come in this world? How can I see his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? How do we see those walls, those barriers broken down so the kingdom can expand and we are in a place that is truly diverse the way that God created it? And and, and the reality is there is a price to pay with this. There's a price to pay in this church with this. If we invite people who are not like us to come into this space and worship with us and hear about God, it means that there's gonna be different ideas going on in here there's going to be different songs of worship that we might sing there's going to be different messages from the pulpit that we might hear that might challenge us that will challenge us and make us uncomfortable but that is what it's like to live in the unity of christ in a diverse kingdom-centered world right with barriers down for the church a homogenous space is not the goal Our individual preferences have to take a back seat to unity in Christ. As a church, we need to demonstrate unity with Christians of other cultures. We need to share faith across those cultural lines. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work that we have to participate with him on because it's difficult, it's hard, but it's kingdom work. It's good work. It's holy work. The enemy, more than anything else, wants to keep us divided. Satan wants to keep us divided. He wants those barriers to stay in place so that believers make less of an impact for Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I want the fruit of my life and my faith to be tremendous. I want it to be big and I want it to be bold. I want to make an impact for the kingdom that really counts. And I want that for this church too. When, when I think about visions of, of what this church can look like, while I know it's gonna be messy if we invite other people that are different than us into this place, I know it's going to be messy. But I also know that that's where the really cool miracles of God happen. I want to see people who come into this place and they experience the peace of Christ possibly for the first time in their life. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see people healed right here in this place. Is that something that you want? I think I think the only way that we can get to that place is obviously by following God but by following God means that we invite different people into this place we have to be intentional about how we are speaking to people how we 're sharing with them and how we 're inviting them in that 's what I want for us I want us to be a beautifully diverse united community of followers quest I love you I love this church but I want to see us grow I want to see us I want to see us be Radically diverse. I want to see us become a picture of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Here, stand with me as we pray. God, you are so big. Your creation is is tremendous, and and and, and we're just a Part of it, And Lord, I pray that we might have your heart that doesn't see the barriers, that doesn't see the bias, that doesn't keep people in groups, but in says, says, we want to be united in Christ no matter how different we are. May we glorify you in our diversity, Jesus. God, I pray that we would be willing to experience the discomfort that comes with reaching out beyond our comfortable spaces, our comfortable groupings. May we be people that, that take your charge seriously to go, therefore, into all of the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I thank you for this church I thank you for this building I thank you for these people that we can come and we can worship you and I pray that this would be a beacon of hope here in this community and that every single person would feel welcomed and they would be able to find relationship with you and with other Christ followers who are united by your great name Jesus so stir in us Stir in us this desire to be more than we are in your name. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, what god is doing here or if you would like to help support quest financially please visit us at gotoquest.org that's g-o-t-o quest.org thanks for listening